Welcome, everybody, to the next edition of the Purple Nights Podcast. Today, I'm joined by I'm joined by Dreamy Pop Royalty, and we're going to be talking about our impressions of what the Princess State has done so far in the past six years since Princess Passing. So, Dreamy Pop, do you want to start us off? Do you have any opening comments? Uh, how how would we even start with this? Um, well, first of all, we want to preface that for the most part, this is going to be we're going to try to be positive because there's a lot of people that are very critical about how things have been handled. They everybody has an opinion <laughs> one way or another, and we're going to for the most part, we'll try to be positive. But if there's like things that could be improved on, I'm sure we'll touch on those points as well. <laughs> but but for the most part, I'd say they are, yeah, they, you above average, I would say. I mean, it, it, they, it was a slow start, it felt like, but once the floodgates started to open a little bit, we've gotten some really good stuff, so. Right. So I've got a list of 18 major releases that we've gotten since 2016, and we'll go through those and talk a little bit about each one. We'll touch on some of them. We won't get into detail on some of them, but a few of the major ones, especially the the super deluxe editions and stuff like that, we'll touch on a little more. But yeah, I would echo Dreamy's thoughts that it's been largely positive on uh, the output that the estate has, has given us, and I've largely been pleased with with what we've gotten. So, with that said, um, the first release, let me look on my list here, was the Greatest Hits compilation Forever, which came out November 22nd, 2016. So it was kind of a rush release, but kind of not because Prince had pre-approved this compilation before his passing. So, and we got the first unreleased vault track, which was Moonbeam Levels, was on this collection. It was remastered from the vault. So, actually from, I'm guessing it was from the Warner Brothers archives, because at that point the vault tracks weren't uh, digitized and and categorized yet, but um, yeah, forever the greatest hits compilation featuring Moonbeam levels, and it's funny because at first, before hearing the remastered track, I wasn't too big of a fan of Moonbeam levels, but hearing it remastered, I became a fan as I listened to it more and more. So that was a pretty good release. Uh, Pretty solid release for the first posthumous release. And Dreamy, what are your thoughts on Forever? Uh, Trying to find my notes here. Hang on a second. Uh, Well, this was one that that some people, when it was first announced, it was 
you got a lukewarm warm reception because like most of us hardcore fans we had all these songs already and various from various other releases and movie levels it was i think it was sourced from that cassette or whatever that was that had been circulating so it was something that a lot of people already had including myself but i was comparing it with like some of the other compilation releases and for a newcomer to the to his music i think it would be a good place to start i mean i mean the hits that that three disc compilation that was that came out in 93 that's probably still the gold standard as far as that goes but i think with forever i think they had a few other songs that usually don't get the pleasure of being considered among the the compilation releases including i think a couple of more songs from the 90s but it was definitely wasn't something that i i was looking into but it's like okay well we'll see what happens from here and with moonbeam levels i think that was one of the songs i i i don't remember if i was before it was announced that it was going to be released or something or it was it was total coincidence that was one of the songs i gravitated towards like after he had passed away like it was kind of one of those like i need to listen to him right now type of moment so i put that on and was like it i was already a fan and it was already going to be in my among my all-time favorites of his but i don't know it it hits a little bit differently with the context and for some of the people that didn't already have it, it was, I guess it was nice that it came out. Yeah. Yeah. And I would agree that the hits, the B-sides is the gold standard as far as greatest hit sets for Prince goes. But Forever is notable for having a few extra tracks from the 90s, as you said, and also the, the, the Batman's track from the Batman soundtrack, which had previously been released on any greatest hits compilations. But yeah, it was a solid release. And then on June 23rd, 2017, we got Purple Rain remastered and expanded. Not quite a deluxe or super deluxe release, but more testing the waters of that format. Um, we got an extra disc of of vault tracks sourced from various sources within the WB vault. Um, and I know that was a point of contention for a lot of, for a lot of fans, um, that the quality of the unreleased tracks wasn't really up to par, but I still love this release. I think it's great. I think it's going to be, rendered obsolete in about two years when the 40th anniversary of Purple Radiance. I think they're going to release a super deluxe edition of Purple Rain then with hopefully a lot more different outtakes because now we already have these released with the Purple Rain expanded edition in 2017. Dreamy, what are your thoughts on Purple Rain remastered and expanded. Yeah, this was a release, I think, that got a lukewarm reception also, and I think that still is kind of lingering around a bit, and I'm one of the people that's kind of included in that company, like, 
A, it's purple rain again, and we'll get on that topic eventually. But that, that was one thing and another thing. It's like it felt like it was a little too soon afterwards. And then it's like this was another one I think he, he had a hand in also. I think it was a 2015 remaster. Yeah. And then the album itself, I, like I listened to, through it maybe once or twice, and I was like, yeah. I, I can't put my finger on it, but something about the remaster didn't, I don't know. I think I, I preferred listening to the original version for whatever reason. And then with the the outtakes, like, there were there were some good ones, but there were also some that were kind of like, eh, whatever. Like, it was kind of a mixed bag, I, I would say. Like, the computer blue version, the long version, is probably, like, the best thing that came out of that because, like, we got it at a, a much better quality than we've had it previously. So that's that's really that's re- really noble. And, oh, a father's song plus, like, it, a lot of embellishments on top of it. That, it. that was That's another song that kind of, it felt like it took on another meaning, like, post-2016. So it's like, it, there's, like, an extra eeriness about it, I guess. And then... Our Destiny and Roadside Garden was kind of a nice addition, but at the same time, that's, that was another album he was kind of working on with The Revolution, and some people probably, like, they should have saved, saved that for if Roadhouse Garden gets released. I think that's, like, on many people's wish list, but it's like, it would be nice, but it's probably not going to happen type of thing. Yeah. And admittedly, I haven't listened to, like, a lot on here. I think, yeah, the last time I, I touched this was like a couple years, like either last year or the year before that, I watched the Syracuse concert, which we'll go into also, but that was the, the first time it got like re-released within the last couple of years. Right. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a good release. But I, like I say, I think... I hope I hope it will be rendered completely useless by Purple Rain uh, Super Deluxe, which is which I I'm hoping is coming in 2024. I mean, it's the most obvious move that could possibly be made. It'll be the 40th anniversary on June 25th of 2024. So hopefully they do that. And uh, the next release was the next year actually. So. The first couple of years, 2016 and 2017, we only saw two major releases for those two years, which speaks to what Dreamy was saying about things trickling out a little slowly for a lot of people's liking, myself included. But on April 19th of 2018, Nothing Compares to You was released. The video was released to YouTube and also the digital single to streaming platforms as well. And this was Prince's original version. Uh, They said they promoted it as Prince's original version, but it's actually a hybrid mix of Prince's vocals and instruments, and the backing vocals are actually from Susanna Melvoin, Wendy's twin sister, and Paul Peterson, of the family. So I think the backing vocals are actually taken from 
the family's version of the song. I could be wrong on that, but I know for sure it is Paul and Susanna. Um, so, yeah, I really loved hearing Prince's version of this track um, in a non, non-duet form, of course. Before this, we had had the release of the live version with Prince and Rosie Gaines, which was always a a good version, but I had always wanted to hear a solo version just with Prince. So this was a very, very cool release. And of course, we had to wait, you know, a few years or a year before it was actually part of uh, another uh, album that they put together, the estate did, but we'll get there eventually. But yeah, nothing compares to you. The Prince version was a very, very cool release, and and one of those releases that was like a one-off gift to the fans. So it was, it's a really cool release. Dreamy, what do you think of Nothing Compares to You? I think I only listened to it the one time, and it was with the video, which it was, they mixed the song with rehearsal footage, which for for some people, it's kind of like that they didn't like the move, but I, I appreciate it because I was like kind of, you know, that's one of those things we really didn't get to see of him just working on his moves on stage and perfecting them in the, the warehouse. But one notable thing was that was around the time that was released, American Idol got to do a Prince night. And it was one of the few times I actually watched the show since it went from Fox to ABC. Like I pretty much like after it, it ended like that's it. I'm, I'm done with it. But you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't help myself. I had to see how, how everybody was going to do his music, and it was like it met with some mixed results for me. There was some good choices as far as like the songs they picked. Like one person, I think Maddie Poppy did "Nothing Compares to You," but she kind of did the Sinead O'Connor version because she said uh, uh, "15 days" instead of "13 days," which was the original lyric. But she was one of the better cover versions of the songs they did. But other than, like, maybe Matic Monday and, like, maybe one other song, most of them were very predictable, like, mid-'90s Prince songs that everybody's going to do at some point. But it was an interesting little promotion that they did during that. And whether that brought in any new fans to the community at that point, I don't know, but... It's nice to think at least one, it got to at least one person. So just a little something to add. Yeah. I mean, I, I always, I'm always really torn when people do covers of Prince's songs because I'm such a hardcore Prince fan. And, and to me, you know, Prince's versions are always superior to any other versions. But I actually do enjoy Sinead's version of Nothing Compares to You a lot. But, of course, this Prince solo version has kind of overtaken it in my ranking. But, um, yeah, it's one of the few Prince covers by other artists that I actually enjoy. Uh, the other one is I Feel For You by Shaka Khan. I, I enjoy that, that cover as well. 
But uh, yeah, nothing compares to you. A really, a really cool release, and and uh, yeah, and then we, and then later that year on August seventeenth of twenty eighteen, we got a digital only release, um, kind of a patchwork release. Not really much to say about it. Um, anthology nineteen ninety five to twenty ten. So um, kind of a follow up a spiritual sequel, if you will, to the hits, the B-sides, um, collecting some of his more notable tracks from the period from 1995 to 2010. Um, not, not really a, a landmark release of any, of any uh, significance, you know, just digital, but um, it, it was a cool thing to, to see, I guess to get from, you know, Prince of 90s and, and 2000s and work out there and, and sort of uh, remind everybody that he has he has stuff beyond 1999 and Purple Rain. So for that reason, that was good to come out. Uh, Dreamy, I know you don't do much streaming, so you probably weren't very interested in anthology when it came out, right? No, not really. I mean, I don't, I don't Spotify or anything like that. But at the same time, that's that's a, a platform where a lot of people are. I don't actually don't know how relevant Spotify is anymore. People still are using it, but at the time, that was a, the go-to for a lot of people for to get their music. So again, it's a, a it was a good opportunity to to bring more people in, especially. Like the young younger crowd, that would be nice to get, like some teenagers and, and stuff involved in interest in and friends. Because like we're not getting any younger. The rest of us, I know I've I've only been a fan since like 2007, but even then, that's already starting to feel like a long time compared to some other people. But yeah, and again, another great opportunity to bring people on, getting his music outside the 80s to shine. And, of course, the one song kind of missing from that was Most Beautiful Girl in the World, but back up, up until recently, that had been tied up in some weird copyright lawsuit. But, again, we'll get to that a bit later. Yeah. And then... 2018, we actually get a third release in 2018, which is things are starting to pick up now with, in terms of estate releases. In the fall of 2018, specifically September 21st, uh, the Piano and a Microphone 1983 album came out. And I think this was a this was an effort by the estate to um, put out a release that's somewhat related to Prince's last tour. Um, they still haven't been able to put out uh, Piano and a Microphone 2016, which I'm guessing is because of legal issues surrounding the covers that Prince performed in those concerts. So I'm guessing that's what the holdup is, but I really don't know because the... Uh, the the gala events at Paisley Park on January 21st of 2016 were all filmed and recorded and and numerous numerous uh, 
other stops of the of the last tour were recorded and or filmed, so they could conceivably, um, at a future date, release Piano and a Microphone 2016. Uh, but Piano and a Microphone 1983, which a lot of hardcore fans already had as a low-quality bootleg, there was a lot of cassette tape hiss on the bootleg, and you couldn't really hear it really well. This They cleaned it up a little bit. There was still a little residual hits, but there's only so much you can do with a, you know, with a tape that's 30, 30 plus years old. But um, I, I like this release. I know a lot of people, um, you know, complained again that, you know, it's a similar refrain. This is something we already have. Give us something we don't have. Well, that's definitely coming up in the future, but for what it is, I think I think piano and a microphone is a is a really interesting set, and it's on it's prints on my favorite instrument that he ever played, which is piano. I know a lot of people know him as a guitar virtuoso, and he was absolutely amazing on guitar. But I just love hearing his p- piano playing and all the little signature flourishes and the the special way he played piano is really unique to Prince. So I I really appreciated this release and it was beautifully put together, especially the deluxe version with the C D and vinyl was a beautiful package. And uh yeah, I I still listen to it a lot on occasion because um I just love Prince on piano, and I love how personal and intimate it is. But, Dreamy, what are your thoughts on Piano and the Microphone, 1983? I can't remember the last time I listened to it. It's been a couple years. Uh, I mean, when it first came out, I was I, I was like a counter-argument. Everybody was kind of moaning and groaning about it, and I was like, no, I've, I've never heard it before. I'm like, let me out of it type of thing. But... It's not. It's the kind of thing you kind of need to be in the mood to listen to, and I'm often not for whatever reason. But it's an it's an interesting kind of inside look to like him kind of in his own world, tinkering on on piano and seeing what comes up. And yeah, the track listing's interesting because we we got like maybe a a few little glimpses of Purple Rain. He goes through loops around 17 days a little bit just to kind of hash the song out. Uh, Mary Don't You Weep, I believe, is a, a gospel traditional song. He didn't write that one. But that got uh, it was Spike Lee used it during the credit, end credits for his movie Black Klansman, which I, I mean, I was curious about the movie, so I watched it. Was, not to go too much into the story or anything, but I was it was just a, it was interesting, just the type of perspectives like a bunch of us don't really get to see. And then by the time I got to the end, the end of the movie, it's like, oh, I forgot that he actually you put the song in there somewhere, and it's like, and it kind of, kind of spoke to what the movie was about a little bit. And then we have Wednesday, which was supposedly another a Purple Rain outtake, and it was Jill Jones was supposed to have a performance number with that. 
somewhere in the movie and that that was in an early draft and that got cut out, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah some interesting inclusions for sure. And then towards the end, it, it gets a little weird. Like he's kind of, well, see, cold coffee and cocaine, I think he, that was a, one of the instances where his Jamie Starr, James Brown voice kind of came out and he was just like goofing around having a good time. And then the last song, which I don't even know if it was a song so much as just an experimentation. Like, in a, like I've listened, I've rarely listened to this when it's like in broad daylight. Usually I'm like alone in my room and it's, and it's like I have the lights out. It's like it's kind of spooky hearing that particular last track like in a room with no lights like okay like yeah yeah it's very very experimental and atmospheric like you say and it's a very it's a very unique release but it's a it's a glimpse into his creative process so it's a very cool release and then um in 2019 the next year in april april 13th we got we get the first record store day releases um, of the Prince Estate that they put out, and those were His Majesty's Pop Life Purple Club Mix, which was a compilation released in the '80s of um, extended versions of B sides from the the Purple Rain album and Around the World in a Day. It's a very cool collection. Most hardcore fans have those mixes already, but it's it's cool to have them all in one one place and all you know grouped together. And that was put out on vinyl only. And then um, the other one was a cassette of the Versace Experience Prelude to Gold, which is kind of a sampler a sampler tape that Prince put out for the uh, Versace fashion show, I believe in 93, um, that has a lot of different bits and pieces of tracks that would end up on the Gold Experience album. And I know, Dreamy, you've said this when we've talked on Twitter and email and various places that listening to uh, the Versace experience just makes you want to listen to the gold experience, and it has a, a similar effect on me as well. It's like a, it, it whets the appetite, and then I want the full meal, which is the gold experience. But, yeah, cool, um, you know, retro releases for, for Record Store Day. Uh, not much to say about them, but they're, they're cool releases. Uh Dream me anything to say about those? The first one I think I've heard about in passing and completely forgot about. And, yeah, I have the disc of the Versace experience, and I played that one time, and it's like, I'll I'll play it again, like, when I have enough time to play the album, like, right after it. Like, I don't know if... I don't know if this was something that had been previously released or not, if it it was... like mixes of it were released before the goal experience. So I can't help imagine if that was the case. Like people getting in, it's like, like when the heck is this album going to come out? I've been waiting forever for him and hearing these songs for the last several years. Like that, that was a whole whole thing, but that was 
it's just kind of, it's, it's funny how that the some the music from that album got like tied up with contractual stuff like not just when the album got released for record store day and getting most beautiful girl in the world getting that taken care of but also like the songs have been written and mixed or whatever like in the 93, 94, and the album didn't come out until 95, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, less than two weeks later, on April 26, 2019, we get the release, repackaging of the Rave releases, um, which they called Ultimate Rave, and that included the the proper album Rave Into the Joy Fantastic from 1999 and also the 2001 remix album uh, Rave Into the Joy Fantastic which was a uh, MPG Music Club exclusive. I got it through the MPG Music Club. I was a member when it originally came out in 2001. Uh, and I I genuinely prefer Rave Into, the remix album, over Rave Unto because simply because there are extended versions of songs and also Beautiful Strange is on Rave Into and one of my least favorite Prince tracks, which is a cover, uh, Cheryl Crow's Every Day is a Winding Road is on Rave Unto and I I don't really like that cover at all. I much prefer Beautiful Strange to Every Day is a Winding Road. So I like Rave Into better than Rave Unto. But so those two were in the box set as well as the DVD of the pay-per-view concert Rave Unto the Year 2000. So those were sold as a as a three disc package t- titled Ultimate Rave. And I know. Uh, Dreamy Pop Rave is one of your least favorite albums, so I know you don't have much to say about this release. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, I was kind of lukewarm about it, even when, like, a couple years after I got it, but I don't know. Like, after reading My Pay's book and just how some of the songs came about, it's like, you know, that kind of put, put like, like a... Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know how to put. I don't know how to put into words. It's like kind of put a shadow over it, as well as like, well, Rainbow Children. I never really got into that much to begin with, but that was another thing. But I will say it was interesting the the DVD or whatever that came with it. They actually showed bits of the concert on PBS as like a little promotional thing, and in between like concert footage, they showed like they were in Paisley Park and they they talked to some somebody in there. I don't remember who it was, but they did like a little cross promotion with it, which I thought was kind of a good good move on their part. That was very cool. And they ended up doing a similar thing with the the Prince of the Revolution live Syracuse concert, which we'll get to towards the end of the show today. But yeah, they did a cross promotion with PBS and very cool, um, you know, again, exposing Prince to people who normally probably wouldn't, uh, you know, 
get into his music or his vibe, but yeah, very cool cross promotion there. And then, uh, then in October, first, two major releases in October. First was the musical release, and it was a one-off single celebrating the anniversary of the second album, the self-titled Prince album. Um, we got the acoustic demo of I Feel For You, which is just Prince on vocals and guitar, and it's a very, again, a very hissy recording from a from a tape recorder, but they cleaned it up as best they could, and it's very, very cool to hear these these demo versions, and it's so, so intimate and so um, revealing and so uh, interesting to to uh, witness the the creative process as he sort of works out the song. Um, and I really enjoyed this release. It was a nice, pleasant surprise on YouTube, and and they also had they also offered a vinyl single on the official website store, which I ordered. And uh, yeah, it's a great little single and uh, a neat way to celebrate the anniversary of a of the second album. So. Uh, Dreamy, what are your thoughts on the acoustic demo of I Feel For You? I only listened to it, I think, once, but I've, when, when it did come out, just it was, it was a nice little little extra surprise, and I, and I appreciate that they did that. So, N- Nothing else. <laughs> okay. And I just noticed I skipped over one, which is a pretty big one, actually. The... Uh, <laughs> The, the release on title of of originals, which was released on June seventh and was exclusively on title until uh the twenty first of June when it was released to all streaming platforms and also to physical media c d and vinyl and I also got the deluxe package of originals with the c d and vinyl and the you know, the large package and the booklet and the whole deal. So very, very beautiful package. And, of course, these are covers of, well, not covers, but Prince's versions of songs that he ended up giving to other artists. So we have several Vanity Six, Apollonia Six uh, tracks and several tracks from the time and... uh who else? Martika. Um, yeah, these are really, really cool tracks. And a Kenny Rogers track, believe it or not. Uh, we have a version of that that Prince did. Um, yeah, great, great release. And and I think we, I think we might have done a Purple Nights podcast on originals when it first came out, but I can't. It's not coming to mind right now, but I can't we, remember either. <laughs> if we if we haven't done one, it certainly warrants it because these tracks are very very interesting. But and of course that got a lot of flack in the fan community because they were saying that these are hybrid mixes, you know, and kind of Frankenstein together from different sources and stem tracks and. And then they were complaining about 
you know, the vocals had too much reverb added on to them and all this negativity, and I'm just like, you know, uh, you know that line from the song Free, you know, be glad for what you got. But that's just my... Uh, that's just my attitude, but yeah, Originals was a really nice, nice release, and I go back to it quite often actually. And I, it's not a, it's not an album where I sit, and, you know, listen to it from beginning to end. But I, I pick out random tracks every now and then and and listen to them. And I really, I really love Prince's versions of Jungle Love and. Gigolos get lonely too, and glamorous life, and really cool to hear. So, Dreamy, what are your thoughts on originals? Uh, love this one. Pro- I mean, we got a lot of really great super deluxe albums we're going to go into, but it's probably still one of my going to be in my one of my top releases. It's one of, I have a pretty horrible history with listening to a lot of these posthumous releases just because I'm busy with other with other music, especially at the current moment. But just the whole idea behind it, I, I was really intrigued by and just hearing songs we've n- known and listened to like several times and hearing his versions. Like that, I thought that, w- that was really cool. And yeah, his version of... <laughs> Yeah, Check Out Scout Only too was probably one of my favorites and yeah, this was one of those like um Peach and Black did a, a review of the album they were they were alluding to the whole Frankenstein issue and it's like, are these truly original? And it's like like guys you don't need to be so negative, geez. <laughs> but yeah, they did really. a poll and I think and I think that song rated very highly and they're like, How is this song so rated so highly in the poll? It's like that almost identical to the Morse Day version. It's like, well, must be a lot of women voting, and we just we like Prince in that particular character, I guess. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of notable songs that, like, I hadn't heard before, like, like the Maserati song "100 Miles Per Hour." I've, I've heard of that, but I've never actually heard myself, and that was one of those songs where it's like the production was not cohesive throughout the whole thing. This the the one in this one, like you if you're not aware of it, it's like you you get kind of jarred a bit because it starts out really loud. And then meanwhile When You Love to Love Me, which is a little bit later in the disc, it it's very muddled production, like like a lot of the dirty mind stuff. But for whatever reason, I kind of, that was one of the songs I gravitated towards the most. And there, uh, and the, yeah, I got a bunch of the Sheila E stuff I listened to a bunch of times. And Love That Will Be Done, I think, was a fan favorite for a lot of people because, I don't know, the whole history behind it. But it was one of those songs people, New Prince had, had done, given away, but maybe not have heard his version and Yeah, it's something else, that particular one. Yeah, very, very good release. And like I say, I go back to it quite often and sample tracks from it. But yeah, and then we skipped forward. We we went over the uh, we went over the uh, I feel for you acoustic demo, which came out on October 18th, and then on October 29th, 
2019, a rare non-musical release from the estate, but a very, very special release. Uh, the Beautiful Ones memoir, the book, uh, the collaboration with Dan Pipenbring that uh, Prince was working on and only got 30-some pages, 35 notebook pages, I believe, written of the memoir before his passing. So, uh, very, very good book. They they uh, really tastefully completed it by adding a bunch of Prince's personal photos and also the the copies of the, the handwritten pages in addition to the the typed out version of the pages. And it was it was beautiful and bittersweet to see Prince's handwriting in the book and the pictures were all really intimate and really revealing and uh yeah, what a special, special release. Uh, the Beautiful Ones memoir. Dreamy, what do you have to say about that book? First of all, it was amazing we got we got it at all, so don't Huge kudos to them for getting that put together, and the packaging was really nice. Yeah, one of the, one of the few times I've gone to a Barnes and Noble in the, like I don't know the last several years, and I got it on release day, and they had like a a little display like right towards the front of the door, twelve copies. So you know, and then just reading his handwritten pages, like I like, his handwriting was was pretty but at the same time it was some of us was hard to get through but I managed and then I got through to the end end of it and then it's like, oh wait, they typed out what he said so I didn't really need to struggle with his handwriting. But at the same time it's like I don't know, it's kind of kinda of getting to know another side getting I don't know. Yeah. Was kind of like hang hanging out with him for like a couple of days just with the book and just some interesting pictures he drew up about like how like his his when his parents like went out they would always dress up real nice so it was almost like they were like characters in a play or something like just some of the the insights he had from like growing up I thought that they were they was kind of interesting yeah definitely and then then uh we're at we're at November uh Late November 2019, now the 29th of November 2019, we get our first legit Super Deluxe Edition, and it's my favorite one to date. I know there's been there've been quite a few, and Son of the Times was really expansive and all that, but 1999 Super Deluxe is still my favorite Super Deluxe Edition to this day. And Dreamy, what do you think of 1999 Super Deluxe? Uh, it's incredible. It was like as soon as it was announced, it was like like just so much hype was going on about it, and just like having Amazon deliver it to my my doorstep, and just like going through the packaging, like that that was really nice. And then the remaster of the album itself, it was it was felt like like brand new almost to me. I mean, as far as his albums, I would, it's somewhere in my top 20. It's not in my top 10, just from a personal standpoint. But 
Yeah, I listened to that album a couple of times, and with the extra extra songs, there were like a a bunch of them I have had before, and I've I've heard, and it was nice having legit official copies and good quality, but also a bunch of songs that we hadn't heard heard about before. That was very very interesting. This was something we definitely did a podcast about. So we yep. don't need to go too far in depth, but it was nice having that, having, and then some live material. Like we have a live concert on audio and also like a, a DVD show. And for being recorded in like the like the late 80s or whatever, no, no late 82, when like, like video cassette was still kind of a new thing, like just the... The, the quality that they got was pretty impressive for that time. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And like I say, it's still my favorite release. And it's the, it's the release that I go back to most often, I would say. I mean, even, you know, preparing for this podcast, I was going back to 1999 Super Deluxe and tracks like Do Yourself a Favor, uh, which <laughs> I absolutely love. But yeah, what a what a great release and it strikes the perfect balance of you know it's it strikes the perfect balance of there's there's the the first of all the remaster of the album is amazing like you say it's almost like a new album and then you know the there there are just enough unreleased tracks to where you get, where you can really get into them and dig into them but it's not overwhelming like the Sign of the Times box set, which we'll get to soon. But, um, yeah, to me, 1999 Super Deluxe strikes the perfect balance of what a Super Deluxe edition should be like. Um, yeah, and what a great release. But then we have, then in May of 2020, the next, we're on to the next year, we get another uh, box set of material originally released um, only through the NPG Music Club, but now with this uh, box set, it's available to the audience at large. So again, more exposure for Prince, later day Prince, to the masses. But um, and they they did this package as. Up All Night with Prince. And what it is is the One Night Alone era, so 2001, 2002. And you get the One Night Alone acoustic piano album. You get One Night Alone Live, which is a sampler set of live recordings from the concerts of the tour. And then you get a after show disc, which... You know, back in the day, I wasn't really, I wasn't really feeling the after-show discs, but the other, the other two discs were amazing to me, and so you get all three of those in one package, and it's a nice representation of a, of a key era, I think, in Prince's career. Jamie, what do you think of the One Night Alone box set, Up All Night with Prince? I don't have this one, but 
every now and then I'll get emails from Amazon and it'll recommend it to me among a couple of other print discs. And it's like, eh. I mean, it, the whole thing is less than 40 bucks. Um, I mean, at some point I might just break down and get it just just to have like a, a, uh, a physical copy of the piano album, but I haven't also haven't heard the other stuff from it. So it might be on the to-do list for the not so distant future. Yeah, I was gonna say your birthday is coming up, so it might yeah. be a good might be a good idea to to uh, either ask for it for your birthday or get get yourself a gift. But yeah, definitely, it's worth getting. I would say. But yeah, and then then what do we got? I lost my. I lost my list for a second here. Um, we got the oh, we got the the most expensive and elaborate super deluxe edition to date on yep. September on September twenty fifth, twenty twenty, uh, was released the Sign of the Times super deluxe edition, uh, comprising eight discs of material. And this, I hate to be critical. I won't. I won't go into the negative because, as Dreamy said, to start things out, we're going to keep things positive. But this side of the time super deluxe was, in my estimation, a little bit of overkill with the eight discs. I mean, it's a lot of unreleased material to get through, and the the quality of the songs is sometimes hit and miss. So, um, and of course, we did a podcast on this, breaking this one down on the Purple Nights podcast. But, uh, yeah, Side of the Times is a little too, little too extravagant. I think it could have done with some, some editing and it could have been more concise and could have been more along the lines of, the 1999 Super Deluxe Edition, which, again, has two discs of, you know, unreleased material. And, uh, yeah, this one has, what, four discs of unreleased? Or three? I, I think it's three. What, three, but it's, it's, it's too much. It's too much to get through. And still, I haven't really giving it complete proper attention because it's just a mammoth mammoth set. You know, the 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 uh physical set itself with the booklet and all that is really, really nice, really well presented, lots of great photos and just a beautiful an essay I believe by a uh, friend of the podcast and personal friend of mine, Mr. Dwayne Tudal. Uh, we love Dwayne on the show, but yeah, uh, great, you know, beautiful set from an aesthetic standpoint, but material-wise, it was just way overdone, and it was way too much overkill. Um, you know, the, the remaster of the album itself, again, you know, like with the 1999 re- remaster, was just absolutely awesome, and really pristine and really, really nice sounding. So shout out to the legendary Bernie Grundman 
who uh, supervised these uh, remasters so far, um, with the exception of Prince of the Revolution Live, which we'll get to eventually. But, um, yeah, the Sign of the Times Super Deluxe Edition was just uh, too big, in my estimation. Uh, Dreamy, what are your thoughts on Sign of the Times Super Deluxe? I'm trying not to burst out laughing, like, like overkill. Like, really? No, just kidding. Uh, I, I, I agree that it was, it was a super intimidating thing once I finally got it. At first, it was like, like I, I got the package from, from Amazon. I opened it up on the kitchen island, and we're all kind of marveling at it at the house, even the people that I live with that aren't super interference like I am, they were kind of impressed with it. But yeah, it took me like at least six months just to give all the, the vault tracks a proper listen. <laughs> and I still have a couple of them just hanging around my iPod, but I haven't listened to them in yeah, a fair bit. But we, yeah, I mean, there are a few other ways they maybe could have gone about. I mean, there are a bunch of Dream Factory songs. I mean, like, if they were able to get the the rights to the actual song Dream Factory and Crystal Ball, like we could have released all those together as was going to be intended and like and ended up not happening. The only, right. like, the only yeah, the only other thing I would say is like uh I mean, it's an impressive like coffee table book. Type, type of deal and the, the the booklet inside was like all the pictures and whatever that was really cool but at the same time like the question kind of lingers in the air like like how's the packaging for the next super deluxe gonna like pan out and it was a nice if they were all maybe consistent like with like so you can put them all on the shelf and they would they would just aesthetically look really nice look like consistent I guess but oh well not going to complain too much I mean the only other negative was I'm still kind of have sticker shock from spending like over $150 on it but it is worth every every cent I'll, I'll tell them that much yeah yeah I agree I agree but um, yeah but the thing you were saying about the the Dream Factory and Crystal Ball tracks kind of ties into the next release because we got another record store day vinyl release and they released the Truth on vinyl, which was a which was an acoustic album, uh, largely acoustic. There are some overdubs and embellishments that are electronic, but a largely acoustic album from 1998 originally included as part of the Crystal Ball set, set, but they released it as a standalone vinyl on June 12, 2021. And I actually got a copy of this as well. I'm not super into vinyl. I'm more, I'm more into collecting it than actually listening to it because it's actually a chore to, to listen to vinyl, actually. And I do have a record player, but I rarely rarely ever use it so it's more of a more of a collector thing with me but that was a really 
really interesting release and a really good album. If you again, you know, getting these obscure, you know, kind of rare Prince releases out to mass audiences is a very cool thing. And and uh, Dreamy, I don't know what your opinion of the Truth album is, but I I uh, enjoy it. It's kind of a companion to One Night Alone, the piano album. Uh, I like to hear those acoustic vibes from Prince every now and then, but a cool release. But Dreamy, I don't know what you think. What do you think of that album? Uh, it's. I'm, I'm just like half thinking it would have been nice if they released this on CD so I could actually have a physical copy of it. But yeah, yeah otherwise, like, it's an interesting album to listen to. Like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think if this was, uh, if I, this was another one I was listening to a little, a little bit post 2016 where it's like I, I put it in my car and it felt like he's riding shotgun in my car with his, just strumming his guitar like it was it's a cool listen in that regard other than animal kingdom which i just i, I don't need that agenda kind of shoved down my throat or whatever about not not eating meat or whatever the heck that was about i, I didn't care for that song that much but every, every other song is, is I, I i enjoy the whole production of it yeah yeah note note to the estate release it on cd Definitely release it on CD at some point, which I'm sure they will. I mean, they they pretty much have to, but I mean, yeah, hopefully they do. But um, yeah, good, really cool release for Record Store Day. And then on July 30th, 2021, we finally get a a proper actual album from the from the vault that was actually recorded 10 years previously and not released. For some reason, Prince planned on releasing it, had it all configured and ready to go, artwork and everything, but then decided not to release it. But uh, Welcome to America was released on July 30th, 2021. And again, I splurged for the deluxe package and it's a beautiful package with a booklet and it has uh, replica tickets from the Welcome to America tour and other things in the package that were really cool additions. Um, The album itself is really really good. It's kind of a concept album, kind of a throwback to the late 60s early 70s political music, uh, you know, African-American jazz and funk styles, which, you know, it calls immediately to my mind an album like What's Going On from Marvin Gaye. But, yeah, a a very, uh, I would say, I would say it's, it's, it's a little bit of a political album, but it uh, speaks to the the paranoia of the, you know, the digital age and, you know, everybody losing touch with, with uh, reality and kind of the same thing, themes that Prince would go on to explore in the album Artificial Age. But, um, yeah, a really good album and really cool to hear 
some of these tracks, the titles had been known for for years, like a song like Check the Record. Um, you know, I'd heard the title for going around for years, but never heard the actual song. And we finally got the actual track on Welcome to America, the album. And, and uh, my favorite track on the album by far is uh, A Thousand Light Years From Here which is a very different version than than on the the last track the last half of Black Muse on Hit Run Phase Two. There's a version of A Thousand Light Years from Here, but it's very different than the standalone track on Welcome to America. And I I love both those tracks, but especially the Welcome to America version and this was a big deal as far as a promotional standpoint um, they had a big feature on 60 Minutes with uh, Shelby J and also Morris Hayes who produced the album shout out to Shelby J she's a personal acquaintance of mine and I just adore her but yeah the, the promotion for Welcome to America was really really intense and you know it was marketed as this you know, finally we get this lost album from Prince and it was very cool to see. But what are your thoughts, Dreamy, on Welcome to America? I feel bad that this is one I haven't gotten around to listen to that much. Uh, I feel like what just was the way they were promoting it, like it's very topical, especially of like a lot of social injustice that's been going on the last couple, couple of years that's really getting a lot of attention. But I felt like it's something that really warrants my attention, and I don't have feel like I don't give myself enough time to actually do that. But the few times okay. I have heard, I haven't I have enjoyed it. Like just aesthetically, it's like the '60s '70s sound with the music. That that's really cool. And having the three girls, um, yeah, uh, Shelby, Liv, and Elisa, or whatever the the three of them, having them for backing vocalists, like, throughout the album. And I think there's one song where they actually take the lead and he kind of, like, hangs back and lets, lets them take charge. That, that that was pretty cool. Just I think they they featured a lot on 2010, the album that would have come, that it would have been come after in sequence or whatever. So having that continuity was kind of nice. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, at the the moment, the only song I can really recall from memory is "Hot Summer," which is probably one of the songs like that is the least liked on here because it's kind of frivolous and poppy. But it's like that's that's my jam. I love stuff like that. It kind of reminds <laughs> me of some of the stuff on Planet Earth. Yes. But yeah, yes. I really need to give this one my proper attention one of these days. Yes. And then we have. Um, let's see, we have the Doobie Baby demo version, which was released first the digital single, and there was a fiasco with the uh, physical vinyl version because of, of shortages of supplies of vinyl from the, from the whole, you know, pandemic happening. The, the vinyl didn't get shipped until 
uh, April of this April of this year. But um, the digital single came out on October 14, 2021, and that is Doobie Baby, the demo version from 1979. Um, I love this one. Uh, very, very mellow, uh, late 70s uh, Prince, you know, self-titled album vibe, which, of course, that's the era that it comes from. So it makes sense that it would sound like that. But very, very different from the uh, album version that eventually got released on Controversy several years later, which is my favorite ballad of all time. But uh, this demo version is really, really cool to hear and really kind of heartwarming. It really touches me in the feels whenever I hear it. So... Dreamy, what do you think of Doobie Baby, the demo version? I, th- I played it one or two days after it came out, like, on, on YouTube, and it was, yeah, it was, like, the the song already on its own kind of knocks me off my feet, and it's amazing, but hearing a different version, it was, like, apples and oranges. Both were, both were great, but it, it gave me a little something different that I didn't experience from the previous one, so it was kind of nice having that re- that come out and it's kind of sad that the whole the the whole fiasco thing and like how many people all the people that ordered and waited so long to get a copy that's unfortunate yeah, it, it kind of harkens back to the whole crystal ball fiasco when Prince was still alive with the whole one it having new funk and people waiting for their orders and so it's kind of it, <laughs> It kind of brings its own weird twist of nostalgia that's pretty cool, but yeah, great, great song. And, and yeah, and then we get to this year. So far, we've gotten two releases, both in June. The major uh, release was Prince of the Revolution Live, which is a totally remastered version of the concert, the Purple Rain Tour concert from March of 1985 uh, from Syracuse, New York. And um, the video was was remastered uh, meticulously, or upgraded, I should say. You can't really remaster video, but it was upgraded. And it was a significant upgrade, I think, in the video. It looks really really good and for you know a 30 plus year old you know uh, cassette you know the video is about as good as you can get for you know a video of that vintage so they really did a good job with that and then the the audio was remastered from the master tapes by an engineer by the name of chris james who I actually follow on Twitter, and he follows me, and I approached him to uh, come on the podcast at some point, um, and hopefully that will work out um, at some point in the new future. He actually worked with Prince when Prince was still alive as well, but he supervised the audio remaster of uh, the Syracuse concert, and just a very... Very, very cool release, and I know a lot of a lot of fans are saying, you know, 
again with the Purple Rain era releases, you know, they've kind of been kind of over it a little bit. But um, for me, this is one of my favorite concerts that I've ever seen from Prince. And to see the upgraded video and the, the remastered audio, it's it's pretty much the best presentation you can hope for of an older concert. So I was really, really pleased. Uh, this was the only time I didn't really splurge for the the ultimate box set with all the vinyl and CDs and all the stuff in it. I I just got the the CD version with the DVD and the simple booklet. So um, I figured that was good enough for me. So, but Dreamy, what do you think of the Prince of the Revolution Live release? Yeah, I'm kind of with the majority. It's like we we didn't really need it, but at the same time, I've heard a lot of really good things about it. And one thing we haven't touched on, like with a bunch of these releases, they release podcasts doing like some side promotion with oh like, yes, yes, by the Times got them, and I think. Welcome to America. They interviewed Shelby and Morris Hayes and a bunch of people for that one. This one, I like. I had to listen to like the two-part podcast, like talking to the Revolution and talking about how this the concert came about. And I like I learned some stuff. Like I didn't realize that the whole reason it was broadcast, like Princeton wanted to tour Europe because he was just done, was just touring, and this was the way of like what. This thing is so huge, like you need to get it out to the rest of the world and capitalize on it. And that was kind of a new, another time he was ahead of his time. He like this the concert was aired through satellite and broadcast to Europe through like technology that was still relatively new at that point. But I heard the story. I'm like, that's what he did with the Sign of the Times movie. Like he, but for a slightly different reason. Like he toured throughout. Europe and he's like, oh, they're they're not going to understand this stuff in America, and I'm kind of over it, so I'm just going to give them the movie instead. So it was interesting. He did kind of did a similar move twice, but the PBS did another cross promotion with it and broadcasted it at the concert a a couple of times, and I managed to catch one of them. And yeah, I only saw one, the one other time a few years ago, and I, I, it's a good show. I enjoyed it. I just found it kind of interesting, some of the editing that they did for the broadcast, where they have to break in every now and then. It's like, we need, we need your money. Like, make a donation, and we'll give you, like, like, like uh, stuff. And... But it was interesting. The one one time they came back into it, like they went past Computer Blue and they actually broadcast the Darling Nikki performance, maybe muffed over one or two certain salacious words, and that they showed the entire performance. Like, okay, that's a, it, it, it was just a weird move. I thought in their parts, like, why show that part of the show on PBS of all networks? So I right. thought that was, right. that was kind of funny. Right. Right. Interesting editing choices, but yeah. And then we fi- we finally get to the latest release, which is finally, as Dreamy Pop alluded to earlier, this album was in legal, it was in 
legal trouble stemming from a lawsuit about uh, the most beautiful girl in the world, an Italian composer claimed that Prince had plagiarized one of his compositions for the song The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, and it was tied up in the court for years. But that finally got resolved, so it led to the release on June 18th of this year of The Gold Experience, the album from 1995 that was originally recorded in 93 and 94. Um, Yeah, this is the the first album that came out after Prince had changed the name to a symbol. So it's the first album credited to the artist, formerly known as Prince. And so from a historical standpoint, it's very... It's very significant. Um, they we we issued it as a record store day special release on vinyl, actually on gold vinyl, and it was a a double a double vinyl set with the first the first three sides in the the proper gold experience album, and then the the fourth side being the I hit. I Hate You maxi single with a bunch of extended mixes, remixes of the song I Hate You on the fourth side. So, And they also reissued it on regular CD with the, with the regular, um, you know, booklet and cover artwork and stuff. And the vinyl release was actually styled after the the promo release, which is super rare uh, from 1995 of the vinyl. So a very cool release. I got that one as well um, because I've been a vinyl collector ever since the estate had started releasing them. So very cool release. And uh, Dreamy, I know we've talked about the gold experience before years ago on on the Purple Nights podcast episode, I think we alternated it with the Cub album. But um, what do you think of the fact that the estate has finally re-released the Gold Experience? It's amazing for everybody that didn't get to, to find a copy. I feel fortunate I was actually able to find my own. Like it was among the first four albums I purchased. Like FYE had a used copy for like seventeen dollars, and it's like. It was like a gold, literally a gold mine type moment. It's like I didn't expect to find it, and yeah, I have a whole backstory with like not getting the album so much, and then it grew on me, et cetera. So don't need to go into that. But for you have all the people that couldn't get it because it was out of print, or they recently came on board the last decade or something. It was it was a great thing for them to finally enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And to to close this podcast out, I just wanted to ask, um, are you are I know I partially know the answer to this because I know we feel a similar way. But how do you feel overall about what what the estate has done and the direction they they've taken and the uh, the direction that they will take in the future? And going off of that, uh, what 
what are your what are what is sort of your top three of your wish list for what's yet to come from the estate? Okay, that's a loaded question. Oh man, I've heard, but yeah, <laughs> overall impression is very positive. Definitely an uptick from where we were at, like the first couple of years. It was kind of, I got lukewarm. Very like, we want stuff to come out now. We're like a soil friends fans. We're getting very impatient, and yeah, for the most part, like, yeah, can't argue with what we've gotten so far. But at the same time, it's like, other than maybe a, another super deluxe release, they can stop with Purple Rain for the unforeseeable future because I think we've had enough. Um, but we have a, it's a good mixed bag of a little bit of everything, I think, so far. And then going forward, like, I'm hoping for another release sometime this year that I'll, I'll be able to purchase. So all the signs right now are pointing towards Diamonds and Pearls, which... Uh, I mean, there there are other things I would rather see come out, but it depends on the packaging or what comes out with it. I mean, if they have like a something from the tour or something from the the hidden run, not, not hidden run, the Act One tour or whatever, where Maite was there with Diamond and Pearl or whatever, if they had that, that would be nice. But for the future, I would like I'm still kind of holding on for like a parade super deluxe with a bunch of the extra songs and the B-sides that we don't really have physical CD copies of. But it's like old friends for sale and some some other material. And, and of course, around the world today, it's kind of in that, that same pool of thought as well as the family album. That would be kind of nice if that came out again, but not quite sure about it. But beyond that, it's like my... My biggest hope is for Superdoc's common gold experience, just put them together in one set with all the songs plus all the, the different versions of the album tracks plus outtakes. And on top of that, like the promo videos, like the beautiful experience and love for one another, that would, that would be the ultimate, but that would also probably run about like $500. Yeah. Just the way that things are going, but. Yeah, beyond that, uh, I'm I'm not entirely sure what else I would want. I mean, we talked about Rave briefly, and I'm, part of me thinks like it would be nice to have the original Rave onto the Joy Fantastic, which was supposed to come out after um, the Love Sexy album, but then he got interested in Batman. Like, it would be nice just to have that continuity between those and Graffiti Bridge. Yeah, definitely. Other than that, I can't think of anything else that I would really ask for, like, in, like, a best-case scenario. Yeah. So, for me, I would say the number one thing that I'm looking forward to, which is kind of, kind of crazy, because as an album, it's not one of my favorite albums. It's in my top 20, but... Um, it's not one of my very favorites, which is Parade. And, uh, yeah, my number one wish is for Parade Super Deluxe to come out with all those outtakes. Uh, instrumental, Honest Man. You have uh, 
Evil Sea Dog, or however it's pronounced, uh, God is Love Backwards, that song. Um, yeah, um, all those outtakes, though, for Parade would be my number one uh, wish list for the immediate future. And then, of course, the the piano and the microphone 2016, which I talked about briefly before. I would love to be able to see, especially the the first show of the the opening gala event at Paisley Park, which I attended with my dad. It was the last time that I saw Prince perform. I would love to be able to see that because um, I know it was professionally filmed. And then for a third release, I don't know, yeah, uh, a, a 1993 Super Deluxe Combo Edition with COVID Gold Experience would be great with all those all those goodies that you mentioned, the, the Love for One Another special and the Beautiful Experience, and they can even include the Beautiful Experience EP with, you know, all those cool remixes of the most beautiful girl in the world that came out. Um, yeah, that would be a great set. But overall, I've been really, really happy with what the estate's done and really grateful. And, and um, you know, I, I just don't understand the, the annoyance and the hate that the estate gets directed at it. You know, I think they're doing uh, the best they can, you know, what, on the timetable that they've had. And, you know, they've averaged three major releases a year, which is pretty darn good from where I'm sitting. So I'm overall really pleased with what the estate has done. So with that, Dreamy, any closing thoughts? No, I think we pretty much covered it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll let everybody know that you can find Dreamy on Twitter at Dreamy Pop Lover, and you can also find her at DreamyPopRoyalty.wordpress.com. You can find her blog, and you can find me on Twitter at PK Podcast. So if you want to shout out or if you have an idea for a podcast in the future, uh, let me know. Connect with me there. If you're interested in coming on the podcast as a guest, uh, let me know and we'll work something out. Uh, I'm excited. I've got coming up in a few days, I've got a podcast with a English professor and a Prince expert, uh, Mr. C. Lee McGinnis, who's going to uh, go with me on a deep dive into one song from Prince that was released on New Year's Day of 2000, a nine-minute track with six minutes of monologue from Prince, and it's pretty deep stuff. So we're going to get into discussions of uh, Christianity and uh, society and uh, social issues. So it should be a stimulating podcast. For sure, but for for myself and Dreamy Pop Royalty, I'd like to say thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time, everybody. Thank you. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.